The Great Old One and How to Create a Great Warlock Patron. It's going to get a little mad. Welcome to We Speak Common. How you doing? I'm doing, uh, I'm doing, that is. You're doing, you're just uh, going. I'm just trucking along, you know, yeah. as you do. Yeah. How are you, Ben? Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> about that, about well, that. I think that sums up, sums uh, up our, our week, I our think. Our experiences <sighs> quite well. Another um, week goes today. by. Another week goes by, another week without D&D. And it was so close. It was. It was cancelled at the very, like the day of. The day of. Oh. Um, mere hours before. Yeah, we've had a rant about this already off off mic. We don't need to. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's just life in it. Guess in the way. Yeah, onwards and upwards. So last week we uh, we sat and we said, email us. No one emails us. Why don't you just email us? Come on, email us. And then we checked our inbox for the first time in like two months. <laughs> <laughs> Turns and out we, we had some emails. We had a couple of emails. So um, first of all, let's say thank you for emailing us. It is a good way to contact us. Another good way is Twitter um, through DMs or just commenting on reddit posts i will definitely see those um so will from texas has been on joe yeah i heard this geezer's got a good a good sort of question a good opener yeah good show. opener very good opener so uh, he said he, he really enjoyed uh, one of our early episodes where we were talking about my character timbal and how he's a mouse like and i sort of sprung that on you and said can i play this and you were like <laughs> i guess <laughs> great thank you for throwing that out of the left side uh he said he had the same situation because someone in his game wanted to be a rat folk and now looking forward, uh, he's getting uh, ready to run Ghost, uh, Ghost of Saltmarsh, which of course is set in Greyhawk um, originally. The book does allow you to move it to other places. And um, is thinking about what other races he could play and his, his, um, or his players could play in Greyhawk that don't come from Greyhawk. So the question specifically is, uh, I've really been itching to play a sea elf since reading Mordenkainen's Tome of Foes and thought it'd be a great fit, but now I'm uncertain if the setting has them or if it would ruin the whole purity of the setting. What are your thoughts on that? Well, generally, I'm of the opinion that sort of the more you throw in the pot, the better when yeah. it comes to D&D. I used to be pretty minimalist in that I was going for a very sort of specific... Um, kind of theme and feeling in the world um, and when I was first doing that it made everything was quite narrow you know so I had like the humans the elves dwarves etc mm-hmm. but nothing really too exotic um, no, and then no I, like gen- genocide or whatever they're called yeah genasi genasi and, that's it um, thank you yeah and all stuff like that and because I kept thinking well that's a lot more work in it because then I've got to do a whole backstory for them and mm-hmm. how do they fit in and everything but then I kept thinking like the more you throw into D&D, it's just the more tools you have in your toolbox to make mm-hmm. cool stuff happen. Mm-hmm. So like when you came to me and said, okay, I want to be this little mouse boy, I was like... Uh, mouse man? Well, yeah, mouse adolescent. And um, <laughs> I was like, okay, uh, hmm, let me have a think about that. And I was thinking, well, this doesn't really... First of all, it doesn't really fit. I'm like, I know it's going to be sort of a city campaign. I'm like, how does this little like three foot tall 
mouse boy <laughs> fit into this like it's just I'm like, how is that even going to work like how no one's going to you know they just think he's a little monster and I thought well I'm, th- I'm thinking about all these problems because I had a very specific vision mm-hmm. of how I saw the game playing out you know generally I imagine I imagine everyone is a human just because that's how my brain works yeah because you are a human yeah, that's and, and, and you're rolling around the city with all the other humans when I yeah. first imagined something it's just all humans it's very like sanitised and yeah. quite boring to Racist. be honest oh well <laughs> <laughs> but then you know and then I'm thinking actually all these things I'm perceiving as problems are not they're just in- interesting quirks of the character and the world they will then inhabit and it, it has caused loads of sort of quote unquote problems for the character but they've been interesting d moments they're good problems yeah, yeah. they're and like it, they're, they're more puzzles than problems yeah yeah and then I started coming on this thing I was like well everyone's just sort of going to be racist to this little mouse and I was like well that's, I guess that's kind of the theme of the, the campaign then that's what it's going to be you know, yeah. you know what I mean yeah. and the, sort of a lot of aminosity between uh, the, the NPCs and the party and also in the party as yes. well there's yeah. a lot I mean that's actually been like pretty much the best moments of the whole campaign it's just the party arguing with each other mm-hmm. and not trusting each other because of you know how you look how you act etc and all the history it's really and sort baggage of fed into your hand a lot hasn't it, it? exactly it's more in your favor than i think you originally thought it would exactly yeah and uh, and it all started off as a joke on my half so um, yeah, exactly. you are welcome and then I started thinking, okay, well, how do all these mouse folk fit into the world? And, and then I started sort of dropping them in. I thought, okay, I found a nice little niche for these guys to be in and, mm. uh, and fulfill a certain um, sort of cultural, not like trope, but kind of uh, an area of the world. You know what I mean? I want mm-hmm. these guys to um, operate in, basically. And there's certain sort of themes and feelings I want to get from these people. Um, they're almost kind of like, uh, I don't know, almost like. Um, Native Americans, in a way, in my world, where they're yeah. you know they're, they're the natives of this land. They operate in you know fairly small tribes, and um, they've just been encroached upon and destroyed. Basically, that is a really nice way of thinking about it. That's a uh, very nice juxtaposition. And so they put this uh, juxtaposition. And um, yeah, and your character is basically you know basically like a freedom fighter, essentially. Yeah. You know, what I mean, rolling around eagle cool. flies. Yeah, exactly, causing havoc. Yeah, and. Um, so they've ended up filling a really nice niche and I think as well like the one that um, this guy's sort of suggesting is not would not even be a difficult one to do no. it's like sea elf mm. ghost marsh mm-hmm. the coast like yeah. it, it's, it's, it it fits very it's not easily. like completely out of, out of the ordinary you know what I mean I think that could drop in really nicely and it wouldn't be too difficult to integrate them into the uh, the, the narrative especially if you're just playing the um, the pre-written adventure with no uh sort of um, plans to go on from it uh, it'll be even easier because then you haven't yeah. even got to worry about that outside of the adventure yeah. if you are thinking oh we'll probably continue to play in the world Greyhawk after then maybe you might need to think okay how do I solidify these guys in a little bit but- yeah so, so here's the thing though because when we're talking about Timbo and, and your game is that was a homebrew world so really you could just do what you want and I think one thing that, that I get from Will's message is he's saying well, we're playing in Greyhawk and Greyhawk has its rules. What do I do? Mm. Yes, you know, if you pick up a pre-made setting, if you pick up Forgotten Realms, if you pick up Greyhawk or Dark Sun or wherever, yeah, that's a that, that's a pre-written place and it's got its rules and its regulations, but it's your game. If you want to fit something in, yeah. you can change things and, and you know, mix the mud up a bit. That's I think fine. a practical way to do it, like some practical tips, if you will, is... For instance, you notice in my game, you've got like the standard dwarves, elves, you know, humans, mm-hmm. 
kind of uh, and then you've got some of the more ancillary guys like halflings and things like that they're yeah. all there in the, your standard D&D setting and then the more kind of exotic ones like um, well I'm just thinking of the ones you've you've seen like Janassi um, and other strange like uh, dark elves like, like drow and stuff like that their population is a lot smaller mm-hmm and that makes things a lot easier because you think, okay, I've got this pre-established world. How do I integrate this whole other race? And how does that affect everything in history? Because if you just plop them in and you don't think about these um, conflicts or how they work with everything else, then it is going to feel really tacked on. Yeah, like you they're know? just there. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, it's like when people bring firearms into like a D&D setting, but they just put them in. They don't really think about it because mm. that has a massive ramification on the overall world. Yeah. And you see how most people do it when they do it well is they make them really rare really niche a very new thing yeah so like for example uh, james and i bought firearms into the game that we're co-running and we sat down for about a good hour and a half two hours and, and wrote out this this history and the reason and why um guns are legal to own but the uh, smoke powder is is not legal mm. and and why why that happened and, and like the story and there is there is a history to it and that makes it um like a solid thing that your players can latch onto and, and understand and, and utilize. Uh, my practical sort of example of this race thing would be when uh, the, oh, what's it called? Guildmaster's Guide to Ravnica book came out, which, bear in mind, Ravnica is a Magic the Gathering setting, and obviously Wizard of the Coast owning both properties did a D&D campaign book. It's a really cool book. It's really interesting, um, more so if you know Magic the Gathering. But they have a load of races in there. One of them is a Loxodon. A Loxodon is uh, a, an elephant, a bipedal elephant. They are really cool. I love them, and I'd love to play uh, a Loxodon in a game. But I was thinking, like, well, how do I... How do I explain a Loxodon being in the Forgotten Realms? Simple. Either A, multiverse, travelled across, doesn't know how, doesn't know why, but he's here now, that's his quest. Two, Loxodons have always been part of the Forgotten Realms, they're just very, very rare, and um, people don't see a lot of them, but they exist and people know about them. Mm. So when your players come across them, it's like, oh yeah, you you have heard of a bipedal elephant race, you've just never met one. Exactly. You know, it's it's not difficult. Yeah, and I think if you make them a smaller part of the world, um, like for instance, the, the mouse folk, right? I didn't think, oh, I've got to make a, like, a whole mouse folk empire now. There's got to be a, a city somewhere. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And designate them a whole part of the map. Maybe if you, can, if you want that history, you can say, oh, there was a mouse folk uh, city and empire like a thousand years ago. And it burned and, down. And then maybe when your character is playing a mouse folk guy and they come across a small remnant of that, that'll be a really cool moment and connection for mm-hmm. the character. Mm-hmm. But it's not a massive amount of work and you can kind of be loose about it. Anything that happens a thousand years ago in your game, you really don't have to put two. <laughs> many yeah. hard details in from the very start you know because it's it doesn't whatever you tell your players is you know it's fairly reasonable mm. you know um same with say like in my game like dark elves right they have a, a a fairly expansive history but when i first put them in i didn't have that i had a rough idea of where they came from what they are you know and i had just one dark elf character it's a very aggressive name yeah, it's very. It sort of paints a picture of an evil. Yeah, dark yeah. Well, they, they didn't name themselves that, you know. <laughs> In my game, they actually have more grey skin, but you know, yeah, they, they yeah. just, uh, yeah. So again, that that all feeds into the history and everything. But um, 
I had one character, so I just thought, okay, I've just got to give enough background to this character. So all I had to tell the players, because all this history for them happened like thousands of years ago or whatever, I just said, look, all you know about Dark Elves, they're bad and evil, and they're very rare. They're <laughs> and a, you're narrow-minded. And you're a bad, they're a bad omen, <laughs> yeah. and there's one in front of you. So bear that in mind yeah. when interacting. And with this one, like the Sea Elves, if you wanted to drop them into like Greyhawk or Forgotten Realms or whatever, it wouldn't be too hard. Like I say, if you make them come from a far-off place... Or maybe they're just a slight mutation of a normal elf, you know? Or they're just normal elves that live by the sea. Yeah, exactly. And they've, like, for, I like the idea of, like, an elf um, just has a natural, innate magic in them. So and they adapted. And they adapt to their environment. Mm. So that you've got the high elf, right? Mm-hmm. Who is, you know, very much arcane astute, and maybe they live around a lot of sort of naturally magical areas and stuff mm-hmm. but then you've got a wood elf which is just a high elf who's lived in the woods a very long time and yeah. has adapted so yeah. a sea elf just lives either in the sea or near the sea a long time and they've adapted so it, it's especially when it's just like a slight modification of a pre-existing race it's not too difficult to uh, to drop that in so right. I, and I would say look if you put it in it's just going to be another more interesting thing to talk about in your game mm. when you come across one or the player the character's playing one have the, the NPCs react a bit differently to them Saltmarsh is like a very insulated um, population anyway the people who live there mm. you know they're very mm-hmm. um Stuck in their ways, yeah, their yeah. own community. So maybe if you have a character, if the character is either from Saltmarsh, everyone knows them. Maybe they're um, either shunned, or maybe even they're revered a little bit because they've got like you know I can't remember the abilities of like a sea elf, but presumably it's something to do water based and swimming speeds. Yeah, exactly. So they're an Olympic swimmer. Yeah, maybe they're they're revered because they're like, they're an excellent fisherman or something like that. You know, mm. um, there's tons of options. But that's all the stuff we're talking about is stuff you wouldn't have. If you didn't put them in, yeah, that's the end. The end of it is just, just go for it. Just give it some thought and do it because you will come off better with more stuff there. I think so. I think so. It's a really good question, Will. Um, thank you for emailing us. And if you have a very strong idea of what the, you want the game to be, and you feel like adding this is going to change it, like I say, if they're only a small part of the world, it's not going to change the overall picture too drastically. Mm, yeah. So you can still maintain your initial vision even if you put them in. Mm. Uh, cheers, Will. Yeah, that the, was a good one. Um, the other email we had was from a guy called Eric, who just uh, got in touch with us and let us know about his uh, his cool druid that he's uh, he's rolling up. So um, waiting, yeah, like that. waiting for an update. On let that. us know about your cool characters. If you want to drop us an email, we speak common at hotmail dot com. Cool, nice one. Okay, let's go into. Uh, we talked about that for a while. You know, we had a lot to say about that. Right. Let's go into this topic then. Uh, Warlock patrons. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I struggle with these a little bit because I often like when you've got a, a cleric or a paladin or something. It's like right, I'll have a look at the list of the gods, but the great old ones that is one of the potential warlock patrons is so vague, and I'm like, where we've spoken do I about start? this. We've spoken about sort of Lovecraftian horror, Cthulhuism, and a bit before, yeah. before, aren't we? And how it is, it's the vagueness is like. It's strength, but it also makes it difficult yeah. to so work with. You want them to be mysterious and vague, but I feel like as the DM, I want, I need to know. Like, well, I need to know what they actually are. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> do you know what I mean? And I, I struggle to come up with that. So let's let's talk about lore for the great old ones and how you go about creating them. Well, I do have a character who plays in my game mm. who 
is a, a warlock of a great old so one. So just a side note, the last time I ran a game for a warlock was probably probably a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. So it's been a while. Yeah. So the thing is with the other patrons, which I think is slightly different, you know, you've got like Celestial, so you're like, okay, um, maybe they're on Mount Celestial, that's where they live. That, they're yeah, a like creature. That's, that's quite similar. Like, oh, like maybe they're a Palar or they're a, yeah. you know, something yeah. like that. Yeah, or... exactly. A uh, Planetar or whatever. Yeah, and yeah. Um, you're like, okay, so maybe I've got the Fey one. Well, it's a creature that lives in the Fey Wild. It's a very powerful creature. It lives, that makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. And if it's a fiend, I mean, you know, maybe it's like a, uh, a demon. She's so like, okay, why well, it's one of the demon lords? Mm-hmm. All that stuff is pre established. When you're like, oh, it's a great old one, you're like, okay. I, I could actually use Cthulhu. It could be Cthulhu. Mm-hmm. Also, what is Cthulhu? <laughs> you know, this is the issue because it's a vague. You're like, okay, so it's this great evil being from beyond our understanding. Have like, you ever read the Cthulhu? A little bit, little bits. Yeah, so different I've, stories. I've heard, heard little bits. I've not, I've not really delved too deeply, but I know of Cthulhu, and I know like the kind of, oh, you 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 wake up and you've forgotten this. And well, the horror, and... the horrifying thing about Cthulhu and Lovecraftian horror is. It's that it's so beyond your, your understanding yeah. that you. It, the scary part is you can't understand it. Yeah. That's the that's the thing. Like because us as people, as humans, we want to be able to un- understand our environment around us, understand the world around us. That's mm-hmm. all we ever do is try to understand things. And the horrifying part about Cthulhu is it's it's so um, sort of ethereal and so um, existential in its being that you just can't understand it and that's where the true horror lies and that's why madness just proliferates all those stories uh, all you're trying to do like in for instance Call of Cthulhu like the tabletop game mm-hmm. you're not trying to beat Cthulhu you're not trying to win against the great old ones you're just trying to fight off your own madness for as long as you can yeah and in the end you lose when you go mad that's it. In, in in Call of Cthulhu, you, you they have like mechanics for going mad, and that's you know that's how you lose. Really, you you know you can die as well, but either that or you just go insane. So that's you're just trying to fight, stave off that. And what I think is really interesting about having a warlock who's a patron to a great old one is they're on the one hand working for them, right? They're using them. It's a bargain. Like I'm doing things for you, which I don't really understand what you are. Mm-hmm. And you're giving me power, and I don't really understand where this comes from. But at the same time, there's a dichotomy there because the warlock's trying to not lose his mind either, mm-hmm. as they go, you know, for, delve for deeper and deeper into this just non-understandable horror that surrounds them. And like, for instance, with my the warlock in my game, I'm only just starting to because they're only like four levels in or something like that to being a, yeah. to being a warlock. It's just starting to happen where. And they're really sort of bloodthirsty anyway in the character. They're, they're in it for the power. That's what they want. And um, even I don't know as a DM really if that's because of their backstory, because of, you know, is there a reason for that? Are they just naturally a bit psychotic? You know, <laughs> the, the player's a bit of a murder hobo, but he yeah. does also think about these things. So I'm interested to see what's going on in his head. I haven't really explored that too deeply with him. But right now I'm just sort of twisting the dial and I'm like, okay, how far are you willing to lean into it? What... Is, yeah, you were saying this the other week. Like, what what's, is too what's the, no, what's too the much. line? Where is yeah. it? Will you go over it? What if you have to kill one of your party members? Is will that you, where you draw you, the line? Will you kill a child? Yeah, like yeah, that we kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah, and so I'm I'm twisting up the dart and I'm making it more and more insane. So yeah. when if he has like I like to, especially with the great old one, the great old one never talks 
to the warlock. No. It doesn't have a voice. Because that, again, a voice is something you can understand. Yeah. That's language. You can understand it. I don't want the great old one to be understandable. Okay. Not yet. Anyway. Maybe if you get to level 20 and you're completely immersed in it, maybe some of the mystery will be revealed. But So I don't give him a voice. I don't even give him a face or a, a figure. He's an eye. He's That's all he is. Yeah. He's an eyeball. Yeah. That's the only understandable part of it. And because I think... An, what I liked about it when I came up with that is an eye is like, you know, they say it's like sort of the gateway, the window to someone's soul, right? You yeah. When you look into someone's eyes, you're seeing into them, you're seeing who they are. Mm-hmm. But with the great old one, you look into his eye and you still don't know. So I'm presuming that you have all of this information in the back of your mind of, of what this great old one is and wants and what his plans are. I have... I, I thought about this. I was like, okay, I need to solidify all the details, what it actually is so I can understand yeah. it. Yeah. And I thought... But for me to be creative with it, I think I need some nebulous some, understanding of it. So I say like... Like random... Yeah. I understand 70% of my great old one. Right. I know mostly what it what it is, how it works. So how, I can't even say where it comes from because that... Because you don't that, know. That would, I do kind of know, but it, it to say it came from somewhere would not even be accurate, if you know what I mean. That's... And that creeps me out because I'm like, how is? What do you mean it didn't come, it didn't from, come from anywhere? That's yeah. just such an existential crisis it's annoying, to isn't think it? about. It's like frustrating. It's like, ah, yeah. you know, that's yeah. that's scary. Like, what do you mean? I I need to. So so, run me through this because this is where I I I struggle. I can create a god. Like, I can come up with a god and I can I can build that. That is fine. And in my mind, that's a tricky thing to do because a god is meant to be this all-powerful, beyond, ex- beyond explanational kind of thing. And one of my combats to that is to be able to explain them a bit. So when I come to creating a warlock patron, especially a great, great old one, I look at it and I think, I don't, I, don't, I don't know what it should want. And, like, if I if I know... Like, if I can get that, if I can understand what it wants, that is enough for me. I don't need to know the rest. Here's the thing, I think. Just that. I think you don't need to understand what it wants. You just need to understand what it wants to do. So, for instance, say, like, it wants to kill everyone on Earth and take over the Earth, right? Mm-hmm. That's its plan. So you know what, what it wants to do. You can facilitate that. That feels it, like a weak plan. <laughs> you, you can... But just, like, as an overall arcing thing, like, yeah. right, it wants to... Uh, take the souls of everyone right right and you you so that's its plan you can now build that into the game right you can make quests around that you can have that as the overall arching villain if you like or whatever right side but, note yeah. interesting if your overarching big bad evil guy is, is your patron yeah which is interesting Ooh. that's good and um so that's you know what it wants to do you can facilitate everything there i don't think you need to know why it wants to do that because no one does that's the whole point, I think, of these eldritch horrors, these Lovecraftian evils, is the scary part about them is there is no why. There is you know what's scary about like a um like a serial killer, right? Right. Someone you know, so, someone who's killed, you know, thirty, forty, a hundred people, right? It's it, it's sort of you can't even you're like, Okay, that's just pure evil. Mm. You're evil for the sake of being evil. There's no rhyme or reason. Especially no, there is though, because usually they enjoy it. Sure, but some of them don't. Some of them don't. Some, uh, some of them. If you look at like real life serial killers, some of them hate themselves for mm. what they do, mm. but they do it anyway. And to uh, what makes them really scary is you. 
you can't, can't justify you it. You can't justify yeah. it. You can't understand it. Like, you know, like the FBI and things like that spends a lot of time trying to understand why they do what they do, you mm. know, because it makes them easier to catch. I feel like we need some dark music underneath yeah. it. Like, yeah. Like, well, but that's what I think is also interesting about the great old one is the scary part about it is you just can't... So do you... Fav- like, for instance, um, I've... You know, I'm, I'm struggling okay. a little bit. <laughs> right, so have you seen Interstellar? No. Oh, Ben, 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 Ben. It's on my list, I know. Ah, uh, you... Side note, Ben's, Ben's filmography is just... Whoa! Just, Whoa! His, his, his taste, his... That's not true! It's awful. It's no. horrendous. That is not true. Have you seen Gladiator? I told you to watch it. Have you watched it? No. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> just get out. Leave. Okay. <sighs> don't, don't paint me as the person who doesn't have good filmography you don't have because culture. I do. You don't have culture. I do. He's not a man of culture. He's... Oh. <laughs> I'm going to walk out in a minute. This could be the end of the podcast. But look, what I'm trying to say... Okay, so for instance, in Interstellar, right, mm-hmm. there's a there's a very... There's an existential... Uh, oh, spoilers. Well, it's not as well. It's like there's an existential nature to it, right? Yeah. It's about time and it's about... Um, yeah, I know this. These things, I know them. Powers beyond people's understanding, if you will, mm-hmm. right? And it's scary because you, you can't understand it. These, the characters are being affected by this thing. They just cannot understand. It's not understandable. They, they're all... Uh, the, film, the film is a bunch of scientists yeah. trying to understand it, mm-hmm. but they... They, they just can't. They, spoiler, they never do. Yeah, it, yeah. It's it, it's that sort of crazy um, sort of stuff going on around you. And I think that's what's really interesting. Like, for instance, in my game, the, the, the warlock, the patron, I don't even know how much the player understands what the patron wants from them yet. Mm-hmm. I've given vague hints. There are weird visions mm-hmm. with lights flowing through and from them mm-hmm. and, yeah. you know, and... I think the 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 player. I don't even know how much I want to say is you know as to how much you sort of understand it and he understands it. But basically, the the Warlock Patriot is getting him to do things and seems to be rewarding him for killing for, for killing people. Yeah, there, there seems to be some reward in in the killing, right? Right. But he doesn't know why he's doing it. He doesn't know what he wants. Is there an end goal to it? Um, he's just—he's just the messenger. Yeah, like, compare, he's just doing what he's told. If you compare it to say like Critical Role, right? There's yeah. a—you got a warlock patron in that, right? Um, in Ford. Ukutoa, yeah, yeah. And but Ukutoa has a clear goal. I mean, bear in mind he's, that I'm—I'm I'm very far behind you. So. Yeah, yeah. It's not. But Ukutoa has a clear goal of basically like you understand that he's sort of like trapped. We don't really understand how that works. What the patron is. Yeah, yeah. yeah he's like sort of bind in some way. We don't know if he's physically trapped in the world or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But. Essentially, he wants Ford to release him. That's what he wants. All his warlock patrons to work towards freeing him. him, Now that's a clear and understandable goal. If he was a great old one, you wouldn't want it to be that clear and and understandable. Like, for instance, like a fey creature may want you to kill another fiend. Maybe the fey warlock uh, patron wants you to kill the fiend warlock patron. That would be very interesting if they were both in the same party that as well. Two cool. warlocks of opposite yeah. patrons that hate each other. Ooh. That would be quite cool. Um, I would think it'd be really interesting if you had that and then you had another warlock in the party from the great old one and his goals are just nebulous. Yeah, <laughs> he's, he's just, like, I'm just doing stuff. He's just catch- <laughs> you know what, that's what's scary about, say, like the Joker in the Batman mm-hmm. is that the Joker has no motivation. 
it's just chaos for chaos's sake it seems yeah you know yeah. there's no real understanding to it. like you know that's the quote like you know he just wants to watch the world burn that's very scary because you can't really combat that mm. you know you can't go in there with any sort of intelligence it's not motivated it's by no money or anything yeah. that's what's scary and now here's the thing maybe the great old one does have a motivation but the human mind is just so too puny it. and small and you know unintelligent to just comprehend this so vast let's let's because this, this kind of falls onto something we've spoken about before which is the star spawn yeah, which are in Munkanens, which yeah. are really interesting creatures, and, and I think they're greatly linked to the the great old one. Yeah, and they come from outer space. And yeah, and I think well, that's another really good thing is that. Link. But they're very, they're very. That's why often the great old, like for instance, if you <sighs> see a picture of like Cthulhu, like people draw them and stuff like that. Oftentimes they'll draw Cthulhu as this massive this entity, big giant like, squid thing with the wings. Yeah, yeah. But like. Like oftentimes they draw him like wrapping around the earth or like mm-hmm. tentacles wrapping around the entire planet. Mm-hmm. Like he's coming from the depths of space. Yeah. And that's what's scary is you're so insignificant. You're a single person on this planet and your entire planet is just getting encompassed by this creature. Creature, this evil. And that's that's what's scary about it. It's like the danger is so vast you can't possibly beat it. Right. That's what's scary about it. And I think linking the star spawn and the great old one to space because space is kind of the same way when you start thinking about space and like the size like no one can really comprehend how big space is no. you look at the numbers and but you just when you start getting into the the billions of light years Mate, and things like that I can barely that, understand how far 5 miles is that's the problem us as people our brains don't really work um, efficiently enough to say okay so that's a billion light years away but like and you can maybe you can even work out how many feet that is. You know, it'd be trillions, trillions <laughs> of, of feet. It'd be like I can't actually visualize a trillion feet. Like it doesn't. No. My brain doesn't even. I can't see that. You no. know what I mean? So I bet I struggle with thirty feet in when we play D and D. And that's so. what. That's what space. That's why space is kind of scary because it's like it just makes you feel so insignificant Endless. and so small. And yeah. and so having the great old one come from space, be a part of that, is um, I think very. Um, kind of uh, a good way of doing it so i think the thing i struggle with then is that i can i can get behind all of this and i can understand it and i i for the most part agree with you but i just it kind of feels like i can build this and then it's just there and it's it kind it for me it feels like you're in the game and it's just a thing that's been been added because you well, can't understand it well, here's a so. good here's a good example what's the point so like if you take Stranger Things, yeah, I haven't seen the third season yet. I've so, watched one episode. So. Yeah, yeah, we're not. It but, came out two days ago. It's yeah, fine. Exactly. But we'll talk about this. So spoilers for the second season, right? right? So the second season, they sort of learn in the Upside Down, which is kind of like the opposite world, if you will, right? Parallel universe. Parallel universe. Call it. Yeah. Different dimension. Um, negative plane. In there is what they call like the mind flayer, but it's like it's more Cthulhu esque than it is mind yeah, flayer. Like big, big giant shadowy thing. thing. Yeah. But what they talk about and what is scary is they keep saying in that season, like, what does it want? No yeah. one knows what it wants. It's doing things and it, and hurting it? people. And but what does it want? You know what I mean? What the, we don't know the motivations of it, and that makes it scary. I think if you knew what that creature wanted, what its end goal was, mm-hmm. it would be less scary. So then, are all of your warlock patrons going to be evil? Because that's how it sounds. Well, it depends. Because warlocks come across to me as very sort of like for the player that wants to be a little bit on the darker side. It depends. Well, here's put it this way: so the, and I'm sort of not really confirming or denying if this is what yeah, the yeah, thing no, wants. It's, it's kind of. 
from the player's understanding at the moment, from what I've spoken to Erton about, who's the, 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 player, the guy who yeah. plays, he thinks like, okay, the guy, the, yeah, I seem to be rewarded when I'm killing people and taking their souls. He's got this ability, which yeah. he got as a boon from somewhere else, um, where he, when he kills, well, when he attacks people with melee weapons, he drains their life force, basically. He gets healing from it. Great the, news does like an extra d4 damage and he gets that back in healing wonderful but, but when he's no one else can see it but it's like leeching tendrils he's of like life a, uh, he's like a, uh, an energy vampire exactly like leeching tendrils come from the person to him and it regenerates him you didn't and, get that reference did you yeah yeah i did, did I, yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay good yeah and um and so when that happens he seems to be getting rewarded for that sort of taking like people's souls or, mm-hmm. or something he's taking from them but now that he hasn't told them to kill anyone in specific like mm-hmm. I say the great old one doesn't talk to him in the normal sense you know he just gets the urge to yeah exactly slice some throats but so he could kill bad people or good people maybe he is like uh, he, he's equivalent like a good vampire who mm-hmm. only feeds on you know animals and things or, or, or evil or evil or, people yeah something, yeah something like that you know what i mean or he's like dexter you know what i mean sort of only kills bad guys in yeah. in that sense um so it's sort of dubious whether dexter is a good or bad person in you know he's a serial killer but he only kills uh, other murderers you know mm. it's like it's that it's like vigilante yeah kind of, but, but like he dark, also dark is dark. a mental serial killer like yeah, it's, yeah. it's it's very strange you know um and he he's almost Dexter is almost like a great old one, uh, warlock because he has he calls it himself like this dark passenger that yeah. that urge to, the voice in his yeah. head yeah but for him it's like a natural urge whereas for a warlock they're doing it complicitly for a reward in so power are we saying that warlocks are psychopaths yes well, it depends You've yes got, well like a celestial <laughs> one probably isn't um, oh okay yeah but. A great old one, I would say... Maybe. Maybe. It depends what the warlock wants you to do, or what the patron wants you to do, because he, he, I would say it's kind of psychopathic to know if I kill more people, I will I get, get rewarded power. with more magical power. Therefore, I will. Uh, yeah. Therefore, I will. Okay. That's a conscious choice yeah. he's making. Now, what re- does it make a difference what reasons he's doing it for? Maybe. Mm. Depends how your moral code works, I suppose. Mm. Um so, and you got to bear in mind, it's not real world. It's D&D where death is right revi- yeah, anyway. And, so, and reversible as well. Yeah, yeah, death sort of means something a little bit different than it Ooh, does in real life. Interesting question then. What would happen if someone that he'd killed and absorbed the soul of got revived? Or is that not possible? Or are you not going to say? I have thought about that. Okay. <laughs> there You're not going to tell me? <laughs> no, 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 of course not. No, don't want to spoil that. I know. It, in fact, I know exactly what would happen. Um... He would explode. Oh, I almost want to tell you. Do I tell me off of the podcast? Uh, yeah, I think I do. Okay, I think right, I do. Like... I think I actually do. Yeah, because okay. yeah, I've, I've thought about this quite a lot, and I think it would be quite fun if it happened in in game. Okay. Um, I'll I'll encourage him. I'll be the whisper on his shoulder. Yeah, but so I think in terms of sort of like what I would say tips to people, just from what I that's what I was going to ask. I've you. kind of learned is I think. You want to make even if it's not a great old one, if it's like a fiend or something. I think you don't. I don't. I think you don't even reveal what the actual. It's like I think I could build a fiend pa- patron very easily. Yeah, but because I understand. But them. I w- like. I would say if you're starting from level one as a warlock, right? Mm-hmm. I wouldn't even tell them what that they know what their 
subclasses, right? So they sort of get a general gist of what the patron's going to be. Yeah. But I wouldn't tell them exactly who it is until maybe level five, mm-hmm. maybe even level ten. You know, like if say it's uh, Beelzebub is your uh, patron, right? Yeah. Um, I don't. You know, it's some dark entity, but you're not sure if it's a demon or a devil or what whatever. If you're... you're not sure, and then eventually you begin to figure it out as time goes on. I say be nebulous with it for as long as you can, because when you have the mystery, I think that's really exciting. What if your uh, great old one patron is death itself? Ooh, the physical manifestation of death. Mm. So you're just you're basically the Grim Reaper, but you don't know it. Mm. I like I like that. Mm. I like that. What I'd like as well is every time someone dies around you, it's like you're seeing your patron. You have to ferry them. But it's like you're seeing. You your... like hand them over yeah. to him. And whenever yeah. someone dies around you, you it's you like see them. you see your patron. You but see you're seeing to, them there. You it... have to paint death as a as something a little bit more. Yeah, I don't think it could be the traditional skeleton in a robe with a scythe. It'd have to be very like big and and different like a dark yeah. energy yeah i i would i wouldn't really ever show too much like i like the way matt mercer's done it in critical role like whenever ford has like a vision or a dream or something of his um it's always underwater so the creature is like an underwater creature yeah, well, he's, he's, got, he's like a sailor background isn't he so. yeah and i'm guessing it's either a kraken or a leviathan i was thinking leviathan yeah but what's cool is it doesn't look like a leviathan from what we've seen i it's not the um monster manual leviathan Depiction, yeah. if you will um because that's more like a big snake kind of like a, yeah, thing like um, a sea dragon thing. yeah exactly yeah. um whereas this it's just it's a big eye or a lots of eyes basically and this round bulb but you never see all of it mm. it's like that rule in like a monster movie it's like you don't you show the monster like the foot and then you see yeah like, exactly yeah, like, yeah once you've seen the monster it's, it's like alien the greatest horror film ever made mm. you know you <laughs> never you never see the full alien really until right like three end. quarters of the way through the film, yeah. you know. Um, and like Cardinal Sin of when they made brought out the new alien film, um, they show the alien in broad daylight. No, no, don't do that. Mm. Don't do that. And it's the same. It's I not think scary, same. I think with a patron is you don't show them. Even if it's like a special one, it's a good one. Maybe you show them in blinding light. Yeah, so, so like you, you, get, like a, you, you get like an outline or a figure. Mm. So they reverse. It's so bright you can't see them. And then think of the reward when you get to like level fifteen as a warlock and you've just done this major thing for the patron, and then they finally step through the light and oh, you see them. Yeah, that's cool. You know, maybe yeah. it's a reflection of yourself or something crazy. You know? Well, that's the thing. Like when you um, when you actually going onto the angel thing, just really quickly, when you like have a look at the actual Bible and read the real, real quote unquote description of angels, they're not like people with wings. They're like they're horrific mm-hmm. they like got no heads and like six wings and no feet or hands and they are horrific <laughs> there is no i was just trying to think of a better word but there isn't one they they're, they're horrific um yeah so a reflection of yourself is probably the best way to go but that'd be yeah i think that'd be quite it's, it's cool i like the way matt mercer does it as well i'd say another good tip is that do it through dreams and stuff like that. i really like a good vision i use visions I, yeah, I a lot in my game and yeah. I, I love a good vision and it can be overdone but i think it's too if you do a vision and it's just someone giving you exposition mm. it's you're not mm. using the medium and it, it's easier like um i re- for instance like a, a really good vision so like a, would be say, say like doctor strange when mm-hmm. he first goes into like uh 
like the multiverse, like when he gets kicked into when it. When she you sends know. him into yeah. it. Yeah. And he has that mad trip, basically. And he sees all the hands. Yeah. yeah. Have it be conf- like that. Be like that, know. be confusing. You, you want some underlying... You need to get creative with this stuff, I think. Yeah, and I think it really is... That's a great way to train your, like, sort of description skills. And oh, yeah. The descriptors you use and how you transfer things. That's why I always like to frame things through, like, a camera, because then I have more control of what people are imagining in their head yeah. i can explain the exact yeah. frame i want them to see mm-hmm. and then i can push them through the vision in that way if you mm-hmm. know what i mean yeah i do um, that too i get that you know whereas in normal games like everyone's got their own free cam you know yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know um which i think is kind of it's just, that's just one way to do it another way is just to give sort of more vague descriptors and you see something but maybe the character sees something different and that's the sort of the nebulous nature of it but that's kind of fun with it too isn't it because it's it's that whole thing of trying to work out until you get to the end and then when you actually work out it's not as fun what would be really fun as well it's like, so you have that reveal where the patron reveals themselves what they look like mm-hmm. and maybe you just turn to the player and say what do you see and they're like, oh. and they're like, like what? Like what? You see the, you yeah. see the patron. What do they look like? What Tell do, me. What do they look like? Maybe it's a manifestation of your own thoughts. That's cool. You that know, would be cool. I don't know. Um, I'm not sure. Maybe that'd be disappointing. I don't know. Maybe you'd want. It depends uh, on the player, I think. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, but there's lots of things you can do with it. I just think. And it's kind of like difficult advice. Give like just be nebulous. Yeah, just be really uh, off the board with it because that's not really useful. I think. But. Okay, so let's let's bullet point these tips then. Make it so that it cannot be understood. Yeah, yeah. No. 70% of its goals. <laughs> well, I think in the great old ones case, like if you've got, say, um, I don't know, like uh, a demon prince as your... you, They have more, like, concrete ambitions, you know, because they're more like a person, if you know what I mean. Yeah. They're just a very powerful person. But, if it, yeah, if it's a more um, strange and uh, horrific entity, you know, maybe you as a DM don't fully know why they want it. You know what they're going to do, but you mm. don't really know why exactly. Maybe you've Final, got a vague idea. Uh, final question I've just thought of do you ever plan for your patron that you've created do you plan for their goals to come to fruition mm-hmm. you do so in, in the game that we're playing vaguely I, I don't know exactly how character's it, patron will probably get what he wants I don't I know I don't know exactly um, because it's such a vast um, powerful entity he has a very big a big sort of uh end game if you will yeah but um but you don't plan it to be unobtainable no no i think when that's where you start if you go if you're planning for things to be unattainable then it's not really D is there's it? no point you know yeah okay that's, because yeah you sort of throwing the back it, of my face yeah, yeah. if if, <laughs> if, if, Ga- if Gazaroff was like you know I'm, I'm really leaning into this and i want the patrons to succeed if i was to say like well you can't really succeed then it's not that's not gonna okay. be very satisfying yeah, get, is yeah. It? yeah yeah i get your point okay all right there's i feel like i i feel a bit better <laughs> but i also feel like i still don't quite get it and i think i think that's kind of the point though isn't it but yeah but this is just like my own interpretation maybe people do it very differently maybe let us know tell us email us and tweet us and dm us your your, your thoughts i would be really interested to see how other people do the great old one because that one specifically i think is a tricky one to pull off and there's so many because it is so nebulous there's so many different ways you can go with it um 
I think no like two I'm just, I'm DMs to, way of doing it would be the same. Trying to think of something off the top of my head, like we usually do with this stuff, like to just spitball an idea and see where it goes. And and I'm really struggling. Like that's this is this is one of the thing the hardest things I think for me is trying to come up with this kind of content, the the weird, nebulous, unobtainable. I think a cool way you can show it the stuff. horror of it is by having anyone who interacts with it. They be- they become very corrupted and very dark. So for instance. Stars, I like the idea that Starspawn are kind of like just they are warlocks of the great old one but they've just become so like they've been mutated yeah that's what happened anything any think it proliferates like for instance if you had one that was like a kraken say right mm-hmm. lives at the dark bottom of the ocean maybe you go for a bunch of caves and into this underwater network and you're gonna try and meet the kraken or kill it or whatever mm-hmm. That whole area, the, the village that lives above it, has got these mutated fish people. Everyone's strange. Everyone's got fish faces. Mm. You know, um, the fi- the fish that swim up the stream have three heads. Like it, it, everything around it that it touches, it's corrupted, should be corrupted or affected by it in some way. You know, kind of like layer actions, but on a massive scale. You yeah, know? yeah. Like on a, um, I think that that. I thought of another question, Alan. <laughs> go on. Then. How are you gonna say your your warlock wants to go and fight the patron? How are you gonna start that up? Bloody hell! How are you gonna sort? How are you gonna even tackle that? I think for a great old one, it's less about fighting them. It would be more about locking them away. So it's it's not yeah, but like how do you? The great old one is gonna do stuff to stop that from happening. So do you give them abilities or do you do you have them have a lot of chess pieces and warlocks they can move around? Depends how you do it. I think. If a great old one, like if you were doing it like let's say some of that art where it is this massive entity, yeah, like I you look up you look up and you see it in the sky and it's like a Death Star, you know, you you, you can't you look straight up and you still can't see it, kind of thing. Yeah, the end of it. Yeah, Yeah. it consumes the world. Maybe that's the end end game. You know, the final battle. Maybe you can't fight it in that sense but there are other things you can do you know I would imagine if you want to beat a great old one that would be like an entire campaign of building up all your allies like you have all the angels and that from Mount Celestial who have to come down and Mm -hmm. help you you know Mm -hmm. you have to get a physical manifestation of a god on your side to fight it you know it would be a huge thing I think just like any any patron would like if you were going to try and go kill a demon prince that would be like a whole campaign yeah Um, whole campaign of planning yeah it all comes down to one fight in one session yeah (laughs) (laughs) and then you fail (laughs) I haven't had that yet but I I bet that's nerve wracking as hell just to yeah. Think, oh, it all comes down to this. That's stressful. It's like all of the last two years have been building up to because this Because really, night. You, want, you want the players to win, but you want them to win by, like, the uh, skin by of their the teeth. teeth. Yeah, yeah, and that means nearly killing them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, God. That's like, oh, I just imagine that now, like, balancing that encounter, you just be like, <sighs> stress. Yeah, <laughs> yes. Stress. Yeah. You, d- you don't even try to balance. You just hope that they've done enough work, and that's it. And you <laughs> hope they fought it through. Okay. Well, look, there's a lot there. I don't. I yeah, I never know how useful this stuff is, but well, as someone who who was pretty much asking you for the advice this episode, that is that is useful because it's 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 kind of helped my understanding of the un un understandable. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the difficult part about it. Yeah. Is, is, uh, to do it well, you have to not understand it. <laughs> it's a really interesting topic, and I think if people have any thoughts, if you if you have any thoughts, theories, um, 
or anything like that that, that you know just examples that come to your mind the way that you do it let us know we'd love to hear from them and we can always revisit if if we get a lot of it uh again our email is we speak common at hotmail.com our twitter is at we speak common um on reddit i can't remember what my reddit name is but if you see a post about we speak common it's probably me so uh comment and i will happily have a chat with you i spent um about two hours talking to someone on reddit about making candy themed items on D&D so I'm all up for it um, and I will answer just uh, just just reply uh, we are always here for sure yeah cool uh, the other thing I just want to say really quickly is loads of people uh, on Reddit specifically but I've had a couple on Twitter too have been um, leaving little reviews on the posts and um, tweeting out the podcast thank you so much that's really really helpful uh, for us to reach a bigger audience our app says we've hit 200 and an estimate so that's that's quite cool um, we are slowly getting a bit of traction so I really like that um, I would ask though if you have the time and the place that you listen allows you to leave us a review on your uh, your podcast consumption app of choice uh, for example if you're listening on um, the original Apple Podcasts app that's on all iPhones. You can leave reviews. Please do. That's really helpful. Puts us up in the charts. The more memes you put in, the better. Yep. Uh, yeah, always. But, for example, if you're listening on Spotify, there is no review process, so just keep listening and just share us as you have been. Uh, mm. Cool. Get Thank you mom, so much. your dad, your friends, Basically, the partners, next time you sit children, down... Children, dogs involved. To play D&D, you should just, before you play, say, oh, everyone... By the way, mm-hmm. check out this podcast. Mm-hmm. That would save great. your soul. Well, it might damn it, to be honest. Yeah, I don't know. I think you've got to get a net positive gain from listening to this. On <laughs> so the, this is the on, good place, on, is it? On, on the soul, you know, on the soul train, I think. Yeah. 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 All right. We know a lot about soul trading because we ourselves are actually... Share it at your church. Devils. Uh, they'd love this one. <laughs> okay, let's leave it there. <laughs> See you later. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening today. If you like the podcast, do us a favor. Leave us a like or review on your platform of choice and share us with your friends. You can get in touch with us on Twitter at WeSpeakCommon or through the email WeSpeakCommon at Hotmail.com. The music in the podcast is Street Dancing by Timecrawler82 and is licensed under an attribution license CC by NC. You can find it on the Free Music Archive. Free Music Archive.